Going Down to South Park is brought to you by the Four Finger Discount Network. Excuse me, little boy. What's a Mr. Hanky? He's a talking piece of poo that lives in the sewer. But now he's getting sick because his ecosystem is all out of whack because of all the extra poo in the sewer. If you don't all leave and go home soon, Mr. Hanky's going to die. He's one of my best friends in the whole wide world, and, and I don't want him to die. What a great story. It has everything. This could be the next free willy. Great pitch, son. How much do you want for it? Huh? Does it have to be a talking piece of poo? It could be a crime-fighting rabbit or a lovable turtle. This could be a great summer movie. Can we put a monkey in it? The Mr. Hanky story. Is Harrison Ford available for a fall pick? Keanu Reeves. Matt Damon. Fred Savage. (laughs) (laughs) Kick ass. Welcome to Going Down to South Park, the podcast where we always have ourselves a time. This week we are here to review an episode that seems quite fitting since I'm doing it with a film reviewer. It is Chef's Chocolate Salty Balls. I am Dando. I am Guy. What are your thoughts on the Sundance Film Festival, Mr. Davis? <laughs> Look, it was a very big deal uh, for a while there. I don't think it's quite uh, the uh, indie sensation that it used to be, but uh, for a while there, Sundance was the be-all and end-all of indie film. So naturally, it's going to be the uh, the focus of, of this episode. That's where Pulp Fiction first premiered, right? I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah, yeah, that sounds about right. I mean, it, it really was ground zero for... Um, you know, the premiere of a lot of independent movies, but also um, uh, the development of a lot of stuff as well. I mean, I think Tarantino got his start at one of the labs there, you know, in, in developing Reservoir Dogs, his first film. And, uh, yeah, it's it's a place where the the artistic types go to uh, develop and showcase their work and the commercial types go to prey on them and, and snap up their work and, uh, you know, pay them a pretty penny for it and then not know how to uh, how to sell it to the general public. I mean, it, it was a bit of a, an ongoing gag, I think, in the, uh, in the film industry for a while there that companies like, uh, like Miramax and um, would swoop into, uh, into the Sundance Film Festival Say, oh, here's a cute little independent film. We'll give you seven million dollars for this for this movie that you probably made for like one point two million, and they, oh, well, you know, we'll make a, you know, we'll make a huge profit out of it. Something like they saw the success of things like the Full Monty or whatever, you know, it was made for nothing, and oh, it became a bit of a cult hit. And then more often than not, it's like, yeah, we're going to try and making a huge uh, sensation and more often not they just kind of flopped so yeah, it was a bit of a, a bit of a crapshoot something like uh, like sundance what were your thought with this episode it's chef's chocolate salty balls what are your thoughts on the way they handled the perception of independent film look to me it just um it seemed kind of accurate in a lot of ways it, uh, i thought it was very accurate how many in the casual audience perceive independent films particularly in 98 now it's a bit different, oh, yeah. I think, because we've got so much access to things now easier. We, we, can, we can access an independent film on streaming services or whatever. It's much easier. But I think in 1998, still the perception was it was an independent film. It's a black and white film about gay cowboys eating ice cream. What was that? Gay cowboys eating what? Ice cream? Gay, gay, gay cowboys eating pudding. Pudding, pudding. <laughs> that's right. <Yeah. laughs> uh, look, certainly around 98, it was a bit different, though, because... Yeah, you didn't have quite as many, say, or you didn't have any streaming services or anything like that. If a studio or a production company or whatever bought uh, an independent film and then tried to make it a mainstream sensation, you know, they had really clever marketing departments, real all sorts of uh, techniques and mechanisms to really get it into the public eye. Now you've got so many... Uh, services and outlets or whatever that it just seems like oh there's so much content 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 that it's really hard for anything to make an impression you re- 
it's a lot more difficult to sort of get something in the public eye. It's hard to sort of it's hard to stand out. It's hard to be different now, isn't it? Because we've just absolutely we've been our eyes have been opened up to just so much now. Like nothing feels new anymore, really, does it? A bit, yeah, yeah. So, but the I think this I think this episode really captures what it was like in the late nineties, certainly, because that was the nineties was a real boom time for for independent film, certainly in America. Well, that's what uh, I was wondering. Although, and, I, I thought you, as watching, I was like, a guy would really have. He he lived through this. Like you were in the scene during this. So I just I was really interested to hear. Did they portray it a comically and b accurately? Yeah. Look, I think they. Well, of course they play it up a bit because they're uh, you know Trey Parker and Matt Stone. <laughs> I mean, but I wouldn't be surprised if you saw a very low budget, lo fi lesbian romance like the one they're showing you that's kind of out of focus and the sound is a bit janky and all that kind of business. Yeah. I mean, that's that's pretty accurate. And also. What they really nail, and what you know, Parker and Stone tend to really uh, drill down on, is the pretentiousness of people either in the industry or on the fringes of the industry who want to be in it, you know, yeah. or or players who think they're you know got a little more clout than they do, and they're constantly dropping names and all that kind of thing. That yeah, that struck me as pretty pretty realistic. I also thought they were sort of portraying themselves here in a sense that they were making independent films and then they became big. Mm. So Cartman is oh, almost yeah. like, it's almost like how, I don't know whether they had people in the indie scene who were saying they were once friends with them. And as soon as they became a hit with South Park, they sort of went, oh, you guys are sellouts. Because sellout was a big part of this episode towards the end with Cartman and everything. It's like, were they perceived as sellouts by some? I'm wondering if that was the case, actually. Because, I mean, the the real low budget indie stuff they were making before South Park. I mean, things like, well, I guess. Even South Park itself was almost like an indie it had the indie feel to it, didn't it, when it started? Well, the spirit of Christmas, certainly, yeah, but it wasn't, like, up itself indie. No. You know, it was, I think these guys are born entertainers, and if they were independent, it was because, it wasn't because, oh, our ideas are too provocative or, you know, anything like that. It's more like, no, they just hadn't broken in yet, and they yeah, were breaking yeah. in any way they could. So, uh, look, I, I, I'm guessing that there is some part of their experience in this story, uh, but also a bit of what they experienced. Well, going from zero to 60 as well, because I'm sure they were, so, you know, the minute South Park hit and people were like, Trey Parker, Matt Stone, ooh, yeah, get them online too. They were probably surrounded by all manner of showbiz vultures saying, we can get you a three-picture deal at Universal and, uh, you know, a $3 million signing bonus and all this kind of stuff, using the Trey Parker voice, by the way. Um <laughs> And probably thought, oh, God, these guys are wankers. <laughs> I'm sure that they've had to make some deals and some compromise on, along the way, but it seems like uh, Matt and Trey have pretty much done their own thing. It's something we've talked about over the course of doing going down to South Park, how they have remained relatively independent. I mean, they've had to, you know, sign a few deals with places like Comedy Central or Paramount Plus or, or what have you, or, you know, producers like Scott Rudin for the um, – uh, for the South Park movie and for Team America and for the Book of Mormon as well, because I understand that he was and he was a you know huge uh, Hollywood producer. So I don't think they're wholly against it, but I I don't think they hate the system, but I think they hate some of the wankers who are in the system. Yeah, yeah, and I think that's how South Park has to an extent remained relevant and respected because for a long time there, I'm going back you know ten years prior, it almost felt like South Park was the one show on television where. They were, weren't afraid to say and do things and portray people in a certain way 
that most shows wouldn't get away with. And they were able to get away with it because A, they created this reputation of, oh, it's just South Park. But B, they just didn't mm. give a fuck. It's like, they, yeah. this is our show. And this is what's going to happen. You want to cancel? Fucking cancel us then. I dare you to cancel us. And no one's had the yeah. balls to cancel them. Yeah, it's like, you're real. Comedy Central, you want to cancel us? You realize how much money we're making yeah. for you, though, right? <laughs> Yeah. I mean, there's probably, there's probably agents or some people behind the scenes saying, you know, trying to use a bit of leverage. So, don't you guys want to work with Tom Cruise? Don't insult Tom Cruise on your show. It's like, fuck him. I think we're doing. I think we're doing pretty well by ourselves. So fuck him. <laughs> I wonder what Tom Cruise actually thought of of, of his portrayal on the show. Like, there's going to be some people that get annoyed, but if you've got any credibility, surely you watch it and go, "Ah, it's just fucking South Park. It's just funny." I think you'd have to. Um, if you're taking yourself far too seriously if you are upset by how you're portrayed on fucking South Park. Once, no, in the first season. Because South Park was very fresh and new. Being like, who was it? The one that the she was portrayed as very obese in season one, in um in Starvin Marvin. Yeah, Sally Struthers from. Uh- I can understand why she would be upset because South Park was still a new show, hadn't people hadn't really figured it out yet. Once you realise yeah. what South Park is, you can't possibly be offended by you being on the show. You should be like happy that you're on the show. Also, yeah, I mean, her star had kind of faded by that stage yeah, as well. Yeah, so it's kind of so cool, I guess, yeah. A little bit. I mean, she's a bit of an easy target. But, you know, going after, say, Barbara Streisand, as they do, <laughs> it was like, well, you know, Barbara Streisand's kind of, kind of bulletproof. She's literally bulletproof in here. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, I just thought this was um, very a very memorable episode for me because – Everyone was running around singing, suck em, my chuck, let's suck their balls, <laughs> put them in your mouth and suck them and suck them. Okay. You thought you were such a fucking renegade singing that as a kid. <laughs> <laughs> well, look, I think there's a reason the episode is called Chef's Chocolate Salty Balls as opposed to, you know, the South Park Film Festival or something like that. It's what you walk away from the episode remembering. You, you're humming chocolate salty balls. I mean, in all honesty, I mean, when I saw that we were doing this episode, before I watched it, I'm like, I before I watched it, I had no idea what it was about other than it was chocolate salty balls. And the it like, oh, it's a balls. film festival. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then, oh, Mr. Hanky's in this? Oh, yeah. okay. You know, so, yeah, I think the only real reasons memorable is for that very, very memorable song. <laughs> I mean, I really like Mr. Hanky. So when Kyle was sitting there and it's just like, ah, I was like, oh, shit, it's Hanky. Hanky's, I'm like, this isn't a Christmas episode. What's happening? And I like that I actually yeah. acknowledge that. It's like, you can't comment until it's Christmas time. It's like, no. I, I, think, I think you would have liked this episode as well because, I mean, the whole- Way Mr. Hanky was like, you know, looking all white and shriveled up. It's like, it's very ET. Yeah. When <laughs> I thought this is literally an ET parody. I'm like, this is awesome. <laughs> 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 but yeah, I just, I, South Park just has a way of just combining various things, like a guy selling chocolate salty balls, <laughs> a piece of shit <laughs> that comes to life, and a <laughs> film festival. And they combine them in a way that I guess you can kind of say it's just a bunch of stuff happening, but it was an entertaining bunch of stuff happening. That's true. Look, I don't think these three pieces fit together very naturally. I think there was a bit of sort of <laughs> scrunching them together um, as opposed to them sort of dovetailing very nicely. But, yeah, look, it's not my favourite episode, I've got to say. I, I, thought it was, I thought it was okay. Um, but, uh, yeah, like I said, the biggest laugh is just the, the chocolate salty ball song. What were your favourite moments from Chef's Chocolate Salty Balls? Chef's Chocolate Salty Balls. Yes. <laughs> um, I, I did like that that um, that first lesbian romance, just the way it was. Like I said, it was all, you could tell that the 
they've seen a few independent movies that are trying really hard. It's like, we made this for five bucks, but let's try some, in, you know, some weird camera angles or all this kind of stuff and try to say something really meaningful and all that. It's like, eh, you're getting close there. I think you nailed that. So, um, yeah, I think that was, uh, I think that was probably my, probably my favourite moments. I like the, oh, look, one of the natives is selling local foodwares. How quaint. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, the how quaint just got me. And I really enjoyed Carmen calling uh, Wendy a skinny bitch because she, she called her a fat ass and he calls her a skinny bitch and then he getting kicked out. But that's the, you say that way one more time, you go to the principal. Bitch. I was like, that is so <laughs> so worth it. <laughs> uh, also, by the way, they um, they're definitely still, they've realized that uh, screw you guys, I'm going home is a big deal. <laughs> oh yeah but what, twice but, maybe three times in this episode <laughs> yes but they set it up by Cartman saying I was really driven that catchphrase into the ground screw you guys I'm going home and he just keeps doing it doing it but as, as I said as a kid watching this that was like for a few weeks there that was our theme screw you guys I'm going home yeah. <laughs> um, and Mr. Hanky with the big reveal of one time I put myself into your mouth and had a friend take a photo <laughs> like, no. you dirty dog <laughs> <laughs> oh God! <laughs> I just I, I like that Mr. Hanky has an edge to him. Even when he's playing the piano, he's like so into it, you know, or the organ. Oh, sorry, I did like it at the very end though when he sort of came back to love. Kisses, yeah, kisses. How good the kisses? And then the well, we got rid of everybody, but now the town's just covered in shit. Well, great. <laughs> and the I thought you would have really liked the. It smells. It smells. Come on, the poo is coming. What other show could get away with this? <laughs> you know what I mean? Oh God, a Fantasia parody of shit coming out of the sewer. Like, come on, so awesome. Oh look. I've a, I've a dreadful fear of drowning, but imagine drowning in shit. Oh, God. <laughs> imagine the, the your last thought in life is just like, oh, this is how I'm dying. Yeah, it's not <laughs> drowning in shit. Okay, now let's try to get an answer from someone who's not a complete retard. All right, it's time now for some trivia of Chef's Chocolate Salty Balls. But of course, first, it's time to read out the names of our beloved patrons because we love them oh so much. We certainly do. Starting with our $50 patron of the month, Mr. Andrew Zerr, as well as our $20 patrons, Pete Anderson, Steamed Ham Champion, Dylan Haggett, Jordan Moleman, Richie, congratulations on the wedding, my good sir, Christopher Darby, Plain Old Matt, Andrew Davis, Ryan Dunlap, Jared Howard, Kevin Dental Plan Flood, Jonathan Rossi, Zach Pruitt, Timothy Burleson, Joel Yoland, Katie G, Daniel Kotnick, Shannon Hofer, Reese Roberts, George McMenemy, Stephen Roberts, Sean Devey, Bella Winderbank, Tom Pickering, Mark Boston Burgess, Groundskeeper Noah, Declan Phoenix, Jack McFadden, Heath Appleby, Preston Murray, Adric McLeod, and Hank Scorpio. Thank you so much, everybody, for your ongoing support. Also, shout-outs to the newest members of the Four Finger Discount family, Michael Doig, Chris Leonard, Patrick Lauer, and Jordan Macy-Smith. You guys are legends and a... Huge, huge shout out to our man, Elliot J. O'Neill from the Simpsons Index podcast. Uh, he is our $100 patron of the month. He's continued to support us here at Four Figure Discount. So support him by going to the Simpsons Index podcast and hitting that subscribe button. Guy and myself were on the show a few weeks back, so check out that one as well. But hit subscribe to the Simpsons Index podcast. I'm sure you're going to love it. What would you prefer more, Mr. Davis? An evening with one of our patrons or a box of Chef's delic- delicious chocolate salty balls? Well, the answer is simple, Dando. I'd like to share a box of chocolate salty balls with one of our patrons. Perfect answer. All right, let's get into some trivia. I've only got two questions for you this week. All right, so my first question is, what is the name of the woman in that film? The the, the surname is very much a tongue-in-cheek reference to the character. 
Last name is Butch. Oh, no, no, I'm sorry, man. Candace Butch. <laughs> Do you remember the name of the film? I don't. What is it? Oh, it, wait, I, I have it in my notes. Uh, no, I'm not going to look. What is it? Witness to Denial. Witness to Denial, that's right. All right, my last question is, how far from South Park is Hollywood? It says it on the sign. <laughs> like, like mine, because there's one down as well. It's 998 miles. Yes, correct. And there was something else that was, was a Hell's Gate or something? It was also I think so, miles. which was about as far? <laughs> yeah. yeah. I think it was the same, 998 miles. I'm pretty sure it was the same, yeah. Oh, okay, so Hollywood is Hell's Gate. <laughs> yes, that's what they're saying, yeah. Uh, one more question for you. What song is Kyle singing as he poos? Oh, I should know this actually because I, I got a I got a kick out of this kid singing on the toilet. Like, it's what you do sometimes, you know. Your kid, you get nothing else to do on the toilet. You can't read. You haven't got it's before phones. Um, uh, now what was it? I can see clearly now, clearly now the, rain the rain is gone. gone. That's right. Yes, having a good old time. All right, that is trivia for Chef's Chocolate Salty Balls. We'll be right back, guys, after this short break with our in-depth review of the episode. If you're a fan of everything we do here at Going Down to South Park, you can support the show on Patreon where not only will you get early ad-free access to the show, but you also get access to hours of bonus podcasts, access to our exclusive Facebook community, and so much more. So join the family today at patreon.com slash fourfinger discount. Link is in the description of this podcast. Good news, everyone! Yes, everyone's favourite podcast from the year 3000 has returned. It's Tales of Futurama, available exclusively for Four Finger Discount patrons. Starting all the way back at Space Pilot 3000, we're reviewing every episode of Futurama as we sink back a cool, refreshing can of delicious slurm. So be sure to sign up today or else Bender might tell you to... Bite my shiny metal ass! Tales of Futurama, available now at patreon.com slash fourfingerdiscount. This message proudly brought to you by the Hypnotoad. If you're looking for a podcast that'll always be there for you, look no further than our new show, The One About Friends, hosted by myself and my incredible wife, Nicola. She is literally the biggest Friends fan I know, so who better to help me as we revisit every single episode of the show, discussing the characters, fashion trends, and how this iconic series still relates to our lives to this day. The One About Friends is available now on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you find your podcasts. Are you tired of listening to people talk about something and would just rather hear two losers talk about nothing? Well, look no further than Talking Seinfeld, our podcast discussing every episode of the number one show of the 90s. Talking Seinfeld is available now for free on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you find your podcasts. The original air date of Chef's Chocolate Salty Balls was August 19th, 1998, written by Trey Parker, Matt Stone, and Nancy M. Pimentel, and directed by Trey Parker. The episode kicks off with the Sundance Film Festival. And do you know who this was, Mr. Davis? Well, I believe that's Robert Redford. He is correct. The creator of the Sundance Film Festival. Yes, yeah. (laughs) Named after his character, the Sundance Kid. Don't mention him by name. No. <laughs> so, I mean, you've got to sort of be in the know, I think, to to realise, oh, yeah, that's Robert Redford. <laughs> yeah. Because I think he probably had enough clout to sort of oh, go, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, we'd better not run afoul of Robert Redford. <laughs> uh, but the, uh, I like the, it used to be a quiet little mountain town. He lists a few things. Liam Neeson. Neeson. <laughs> <laughs> says he wants to move the festival and be cute South Park. They put up the flag for the first ever South Park Film Festival and boom, people arrive out of absolutely nowhere. We get Garrison here and he's got Mr. Twig, Mr. Hat, Mr. Twig now. And he's talking about the film festival and the kids then hang shit on Godzilla and Independence Day and I will not have it. (laughs) 
<laughs> I mean, um, I know they're terrible films, but I grew it's when you grow up with those films. You know, I grew up with like the Godzilla of '98. That was my Godzilla. That was what I grew up with, and I fucking loved it. There was a TV series for it. The fucking there was these cool puppets that KFC had as part of the kids' club meals. It was great mer- <laughs> merchandise, really well. But Independence Day, not a great movie, but a really good blockbuster, a really good um uh, disaster film kind of thing. Like, yeah. it's, it's I guess you could say it, well, it was a blockbuster. It's probably the biggest film of the year. What ninety six was it? I reckon so. Yeah. Because that yeah. visual of the White House exploding, I don't think there's any more iconic visual from that year, film-wise. Can you think of any others? 96? From 96? I don't think so, no. No, like that was that was just everywhere. Yeah, look, I'm not as huge on Independence Day and Godzilla. I haven't rewatched Godzilla in a long time, but I remember not liking it when I saw it. But um, The Day After Tomorrow in 2012 are two big Roland Emmerich movies that I really dig. Uh, there's one on Netflix at the moment, actually. It's not Roland Emmerich, but it's very Emmerich-esque, and it's called Troll, um, out of Norway, I believe. And it just, it really just follows the Emmerich formula right down to a T. Uh, it's really very, very good. So if you're a fan of that kind of thing, and you might well be, Dando, give that one a whirl. Tell what kind of film you. is Troll? It's a monster movie, but also a disaster movie. You know, okay. the the... I want to say Norway. Let's just do a quick check. Um, but yeah, that this uh, gigantic troll yeah. is uh, yeah, running, yeah, running uh, wild through Norway. Um, you know, and a, a sort of a ragtag bunch of uh, you know. You got a soldier. You got a um, a scientist. You've got a geeky guy. You've got a hacker. Um, a and of course, you've somewhere. got. Yeah, there's love interest and all there, and um, what's it? Yeah, I mean, certainly worth checking out. I reckon you might enjoy it, Dan. Troll. Nah, dude, independent films are those black and white hippie movies. They're always about gay cowboys eating pudding. No, they're not. Independent films are produced outside the Hollywood system. They're movies without all the glitz and glamour of Hollywood. Yeah, <laughs> you show me one independent film that isn't about gay cowboys eating pudding. Once again, you have no idea what you're talking about, fat ass. I'm not fat. I just haven't grown into my body yet, you skinny bitch. <laughs> if you call Wendy a bitch one more time, I'm sending you to the principal's office. Bitch. That's it, Eric. You- I'm going. And then Mr. Garrison says the kids must watch an independent film and write an essay about it and witness to denial. It is the sexual exploration piece about two women in love. And he's standing here. <laughs> yeah, Michael Jimbo's got plenty of those in his drawer. <laughs> <laughs> People are then walking around on cell phones. And I've just got here when that meant status. That was a status oh, yeah. symbol. You know, just if you had a cell phone, you were important. And then for a while, though, people tried to go the go the whole. And some people still do it, but you come across like an absolute fuckhead, in my opinion. The hands free. Oh yeah, like fuck off with your fucking hands free. <laughs> 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 like w- walking around just having a conversation, where it looks like you're having a conversation with yourself. Fuck off. <laughs> I just, I just, <laughs> to me, that is like the epitome of douchebag. Walking around a busy public space. With a fucking hands-free earpiece. Fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> well, we certainly know what grinds Dando's gears. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It just comes across like a douchebag. Anyway, so Cartman is annoyed that Stan's girlfriend got him in trouble. She's not my girlfriend. And then Kenny says something here. And I went to that website, Kenny Says, mm-hmm. and it, it's not dirty or anything like that. It's like, oh, yeah. I think I said that, yeah, that's because you always puke over it. Because the, but the kids then laugh and say, oh, that's disgusting, Kenny. And I'm like, that's definitely not what he said. Hello there, children. Hey, Jeff. What you doing? Children, this whole film festival thing has quite lucrative monetary possibilities. Now, I'm going to sell some of my famous cookies to these Hollywood types and make a mint. 
What kind of cookies? Calm down, Tubby. They're little cookies with fudge in the middle. And I call them fudgems. I want a fudgem. I can just see the commercial now. Wife got you down. Boss making you angry. Kids yelling at you. Well, fudgem. Cool. And I've also got my double chocolate cookies. Fudge this. Oh, look, one of the natives is selling local foodwares. How quaint. This is why I come to these things, to get away from L.A. and become one with a more simple culture. Well, perhaps you'd like to try my low-calorie cookies. Go fudge yourself. Or my all-natural, I don't really give a flying fudge. Ooh, do you have any tofu or steamed celery? Huh? I would kill for some couscous right now. Whose goose? Uh, never mind. We brought some food from the natural market in L.A. Cute sign, though. Wendy then invites Stan to go see the film. Uh, what was it called again? Uh, Witness to Denial. Correct. And Cartman, I love the... <laughs> As a kid, that is just like the best payout ever. Just mimicking someone in that tone. <laughs> what does she say? Uh, if, if he holds a hand, she, she'll be the death of him. Uh, she'll be the death of him, Carl. Mark my words. <laughs> Mark my words. <laughs> Chef then promotes himself, and uh, I just I just went and fudged your mama. And he said, Carmen says he ran that one into the ground. <laughs> We're now at the screening, and Stan wants he's looking forward to some cool previews. And I'm like, this it used to be like that. I feel like previews just ruin films now. They just tell you the film story because they're so desperate for people to fork mm-hmm. out money and go to the cinema. And they're like, you will like this. Here's the beginning. Here's the middle, and here's a bit of the end. I'm just like, I don't want to know the story. Just <laughs> give me a premise, and I'll. I'll decide whether I want to pay my money to see it. Give me a feeling of the tone. Yeah, yeah we- don't tell me the story. I hate I hate when you watch a film and you see something in the trailer and you know that that moment is going to be a big part of the film. Mm. And then when you're watching the film, you're going to... This is what I'm like anyway. If I go, if I see a trailer and something's... I'm watching the film and I'm like, ah, oh, well, we saw that person getting like hit by a car in the trailer. So, like, Dang. okay, so obviously... They're going to be dead. So then the whole time I'm watching the film going, how do we get to that moment as opposed to focusing on the film? Oh, no, that's just me. What about you? No, I, get, I certainly get where you're coming from. but uh, I, I mean, I personally avoid trailers at all costs now. I find myself watching... I've always loved a trailer. I, I, uh, there's a great DVD set called Drive-In Delirium. There's like... You can get the six-disc set and it's like almost like... 24 hours worth of trailers. <laughs> I just love that now that I'm on the background all the time. Um, but, you know, cutting a really good one is, a, is a definitely an art form, and there are some that certainly show you just about everything. I think on... Is, it, is, is there such thing as a teaser trailer anymore? Like a proper teaser trailer? Yeah, even the ones they call teaser trailers aren't so really teasing all that much. The teaser now means, oh, this one's only going to go for 90 seconds and not three minutes. That's, the, that's their idea of a teaser now. Pretty much. I mean, we spoke, I think, on our most recent episode of Four Finger Discount um, about the Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny trailer that dropped a few days ago. Uh, And I was really stoked by that. But I'm also looking and going, I don't think I could tell you much about this story other than, you know, Indiana Jones is a bit older. (laughs) And, uh, you know, Fleabag, uh, what's her name, Phoebe uh, Waller-Bridge is in it. And, you know, a few other familiar faces. And he's riding a horse through town and, you know... A lot of good Indiana Jones effort just made me psyched. So, and I, but I couldn't tell you anything about the plot. So, yeah, that's that's a good example, a good example of a good trailer. Who are you to judge my womanly soul? The goddess flames that burn in my memory aren't dark. Dare you call them dark? Here lies the goddess truth of my body. Oh, brother! The goddess that cries, freedom. Here is the goddess truth of my womanly being. 
You are my blossom, my flame. When we make love, it's like the sun is right outside the door. Then make love to me right now. Dooch! Dooch! It's ridiculous, isn't it, the film? Oh, like, yeah. I love that, like I said, the muffled voice, like the, 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 the audio is out, and they're, yeah. they're trying their hardest to make it look artistic when really you just had $5 to make this film. That's all it was, <laughs> the $5 budget. Um, but then they start screwing on film, and Stan's like, whoa, shit, I'm not sure I should be watching this. <laughs> dude, dude. Meanwhile, Kyle's just singing away in the toilet, and he overhears Mr. Hankey. <gasps> Could it be? We're now at the festival, and there's a news report. You know, this is once a quiet community where nothing out of the ordinary ever happens, except for the occasional complete destruction of the entire town. (laughs) (laughs) And there are waiting celebrities to arrive. We don't actually get any celebrities arrive besides Fred Savage. It's funny how in 1998, Fred Savage is the kind of guy that South Park would take the mickey out of. Mm. But now everyone's like, yeah, it's Fred Savage, whatever. Like, Like, people like that don't tend to get mocked as much as they used to. It's almost like an ironic... Love of these of these people once again. Yeah, yeah. I mean, well, I'm wondering when the, when do the Wonder Years finish? Probably oh, early, early mid nineties, maybe early to mid nineties. Yeah. So, yeah, I think Fred's in a bit of a uh, twilight zone at this stage. Yeah. So ninety eight, Fred Savage is. You can see why they're taking Mickey Adam, but it's almost like hmm. now, maybe because of just cancer culture and things like social media, like Twitter, especially. Shows don't really want to make fun of people like this anymore. It's like Brendan Fraser. I'm surprised. I'm not whether South Park did, but I would be annoyed if South Park ever made fun of Brendan Fraser. And I said, yeah. I commented on your post because there's that interview like Adam Sandler and Brendan Fraser. Fuck, I can't wait to see that. Holy yeah. shit, right? But Brendan Fraser has always just seemed like the nicest guy, and I've been singing his praises for years. I've been doing it on the on the Four Finger Discount podcast. It just seems like everyone's now to sort of come around, and it's like, fuck off. I've been doing this shit for years. <laughs> well, that's the thing. It was Get loved. For, yeah, it was loved for a very, very long time. Went off the scene for a bit, making a bit of a comeback, and it was like, yeah, you could probably set your watch by. Okay, it's been close to twenty years since we had like a a, a really good Brendan Fraser movie or a really good Brendan Fraser performance, but now he's back. And uh, yeah, oh, that's right. And yeah, you remember why you love him. Or you remember like those, the, 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 the websites who used to say, oh, my God, Brendan Fraser, have you seen what it looks like now? You won't, be, you won't believe it. They're the same websites saying, how great is Brendan Fraser? What a comeback. It's the greatest thing of all time. Fuck it's off. A, it's, a little, <laughs> um, it's a little disingenuous. They're almost a little di- um, disrespectful and insulting. It 100% is. It's very much like, bro- you know, stop. A, a good friend of mine um said, yeah, stop treating him like a free, three-legged dog. You know? Yeah. He's, he's Brendan Fraser. He's actually, you know, a legitimately good actor. Um, and even before, you know, this big comeback role that he's got in this movie called The Whale, you know, he was doing a few smaller roles in things. I saw him in this crime movie earlier this year called No Sudden Move, and he had a small part in that. And I was like, oh, it's nice that Brendan Fraser is giving a comeback. And he comes in, he's just giving this really good, nasty performance as this um, sort of underworld hippie. I'm like... Oh, that's right. Yeah, this dude can, you know, act his ass off. You know, don't be treating him like, nice to have you back, Brendan. We missed you, buddy. It's like- If I have to hear the whole fucking, Brendan Fraser must be protected at all costs. Yeah, fuck, fuck off. off with that shit. <laughs> <laughs> the dude can act. The dude can, the dude's always been able to act. You just guys just didn't want him because you thought he was fat. That's the yeah. only reason. And then yeah. one, he yeah. does one fucking interview on a news station, cries during it, and everyone's like, oh my God. <laughs> yeah. Dude got fat and lost his hair. Happens to the best of us. Happened to me. <laughs> Uh, but then uh, Kyle says, um, tells the kids, Mr. Hankey, you know, he, he was, I saw him. This is where Fred Savage arrives. I do like that Fred Savage tries to promote himself later on I'm the episode. Wearing his, yeah, yeah, wearing him, I'm, I'm Fred Savage t-shirt. <laughs> uh, you know, uh, I hope a real person shows up soon. Then uh, Stan says that um, 
the, the movie was no good. No, the, the shit. Then we get um, some Cartman fat jokes, and I'm like, they're pretty mean. To, like, Cartman's not necessarily mean to the guys anymore, but they're mean to him. Like, <laughs> they continuously call him fat ass and things like that. It's necessarily. I don't think Cartman's really hung shit on the core group all that often lately, but they just keep calling him names. And that's I think why you get the yeah. guys and going home. Like, Cartman's justified in being annoyed with these guys lately. I think it's an important thing that the, yeah, that the show points out that, you know, people are always like, oh, yeah, Cartman's the bad guy out of these kids. No, they're all little monsters. They're all little bastards. This is perfect. Why didn't we think of it sooner? This town still has some charm left, not the mess we turned Park City into. Forgive me for being observant, but won't we just end up doing the same thing to this town? Yes, and the town after, and the town after that. Like termites, we will move this film festival from town to town until we have used it up, and then move on until every quiet mountain town is like Los Angeles. Why? Why would we do such a thing? Because we have to live in LA, and if we can't live in quiet, simple, peaceful mountain towns, then nobody will. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. Zoom into a close-up on my face when I do that, ready? Then nobody will. <laughs> That's it. Uh, Chef then shows the kids his chocolate salty balls, and Kyle once again hears Mr. Hanky. How do you tell the poo- a piece of poo is in trouble? <laughs> and then we get the uh, the chef singing his ball song, and yeah, put him in your mouth and suck him and suck him. Say everybody ever seen my balls? They're big and salty and brown. If you ever need a pick, pick me up. Just stick my balls in your mouth. I remember just feeling like I was a pretty fucking cool when I was singing that song at school. <laughs> <laughs> Clearly, the best bit of the song is just the it's just Isaac Hayes going, "Put them in your mouth." <laughs> yes, so good. That's the best. We're now in the sewer, and it smells like ass. And they find Garrison scuba diving. What the fuck was he doing in there? He's looking for Mister Hat. Oh, is that why? I reckon he's looking for Mr. Hat. Oh, because do you know how to file a police report? No? Good. It's like, oh, okay. Very weird. <laughs> well, yeah, well, just, yeah, I mean, <laughs> I, I honestly think he is looking for Mr. Hat, but it, it just looks sus. You know, anyone in a scuba suit. Um, in feces. In a, in, a shit, in a shit full sewer. Yeah, dodgy, dodgy. Yeah. <laughs> uh, what are we, the Goonies? Yeah, you're the fat one. So he says, screw you guys once again. Uh, then we find Mr. Hanky and Cartman. I, li- I like that Mr. Even Cartman's just like, hello, Mr. Hanky. It's almost like the, <laughs> the, the, the old lady that even if you're a shithead of a kid, you're always going to be polite to the old lady that lives three doors down. You know? <laughs> you do. <laughs> yeah. It would, be a, it would be a bridge too far if uh, if Cartman was a dick to Mr. Hanky. It's like, oh, no, this guy's irredeemable. And, but Mr. Hanky's just so wholesome. Hope you wash behind your ears. Like, it's just- <laughs> he, he wants nothing but the best for these kids. He does, exactly right. And he explains that the sewer's a fragile ecosystem and all the food that's been eaten up there and all the extra people and shitting down there is killing, killing him. It's going to be dead soon. And he says that the food's giving him a cold and he says he can't come up to the surface because he's going to come up at Christmas time because it's colder up there. He dries out in the heat. And then don't forget to change your sheets once a week as they leave. I'm just like, oh, it's so cute. <laughs> it's just, like this piece of poo is just the most wholesome thing ever on the show. They then do a screening of a bunch of gay cowboys eating pudding. <laughs> they think someone is Leo DiCaprio, but it's not Leonardo DiCaprio. Then Kyle explains the Mr. Hanky issue. What a great story. <laughs> like, as you said earlier, they go to these film festivals to look for a story. That could be the next Free Willy. <laughs> is Harrison Ford available? <laughs> yes. Uh, then the guy propositions uh, Cartman with an idea. You, know, you can make some serious money here with this story. You know, you're the brains behind this operation. I'm watching this, and because it's South Park, I'm thinking, is this guy just going to turn out to be a pedophile? 
I, that's what I thought this <laughs> might just end up being. But they announced that the film festival is a huge success and as a result, they're going to build a holiday planet. Not a planet Hollywood, a holiday planet. Right yeah. where the library used to stand. Can they crunch that? Yeah. <laughs> they're Hollywood. They can do anything. Kyle then sees uh, Mr. Hanky playing the piano. I just really enjoyed how enthused. He's just like, oh, it's just in the moment. He's just, he's, he's loving it. And says that, uh, you know, you, you must come to the surface because you need to tell people. And he's like, I can't, I'm going to dry out. He's like, you've got to do it, Mr. Hanky. He's like, well, let me just, let me just get my toothbrush. <laughs> then Stan and Wendy, they go to see Tom Hank in the, uh, the Mr. Hanky film starring a monkey. I thought, well, this is just Guy's <laughs> Alley. Right up Guy's Alley. Tom Hanks and a monkey. He's got Hanks, <laughs> Hanks and a monkey, you know. <laughs> Ten Oscars and, you know, a, a billion dollars at the box office. Mr. Hanky, I can't go on anymore. I've lost the fight. No, I'm not leaving without you. We started this together and we're going to finish it together. I always thought death was something glorious, but now I know that it's not. <gasps> it's going over really well. People are going to be knocking my door down to get you. Who the hell cast Tom Hanks in this? Tom Hanks can't act his way out of a nutsack. I'll always love you, Mr. Hanky. Can't act his way out of a nutsack. <laughs> what a line that is. <laughs> That's pretty good. <laughs> All the guys race out of the cinema and they trample over Kenny. Oh my God, I found a penny. Penny. <laughs> We don't get a, a, a Kenny line, the, the Kenny you bastard. That, that's no. it for this episode. Yeah, um, Kyle and Mr. Hanky then arrive to the surface, and the mayor goes to talk to the uh, to the film commissioner, as Roberts referred to in this episode. She says the town's a bit upset on the impact you guys are all having on this town. She wants them to call it off. Shows a big fat contract and says, you know, sorry, honey, basically it ain't happening. You know, very patronising. <laughs> then Cartman gets a whole three dollars from for his his contribution to the film. They call him a sellout. I'm not a sellout. What's a sellout? <laughs> then, uh, if you know, if you work in the entertainment industry and you make money, you're a sellout. I like that. Definitely, to me, felt like Trey and Matt. Venting, oh yeah, absolutely. Venting. You yeah. know, if you work in the entertainment industry and you've made any money, you're a sellout. There's, there must have been some people from their past that didn't like, and it just happens. It's just what happens. As soon as someone becomes a success and you're not, when you were once on even uh, even pegging, it's like fuck hmm. those people. There's always there's, there's always some people that are like that. That take that attitude. Yeah, you. You compromise your artistic integrity, man. It's like, not really. I mean, I don't see a whole lot of uh, sort of compromise in anything that Parker and Stone have done. No. And, you know, it's not their fault that people want to, you know, give them money hand over fist for it. No, they've never, they've never, and still to this day, they haven't compromised at all. Um, Chef says <laughs> that, you know, I was a sellout too, and there's nothing you can do. Just sit here and suck on my balls. Then <laughs> Kyle uh, tips. Mr. Hanky out, and unfortunately, he's dead. And I watched this going, oh, no. I was like, surely, I swear Mr. Hanky appears again. I, was, I, was, I felt sad for a moment. But, um, oh, dried up piece of shit. Very compelling. <laughs> uh, how great. This actually was one of my favourite moments. I forgot to mention it. You can't die, Mr. Hanky. You can't. Before I go, there's something I must tell you. Come closer. Well, what is it, Mr. Hanky? There is another Skywalker. No! <laughs> Wait, come. What is it, Mr. Hanky? Come closer. What is it? Closer. Yes? Closer. One time when you were sleeping, I put myself in your mouth and had my friend take a picture. No! Closer! Closer! 
closer. Closer. <laughs> then we get the slow song of the Mr. Hanky song, and he's taking away like E.T. And Kyle is the devastated. Yeah, yeah. Wendy then asks Stan if he wants to see another film. So the film they go to see is called Bow Down to Hollywood at South Park. And did you notice it was directed by Tom N. Puna, who I think has been, I think, directed that episode of Cops. <laughs> but, uh, oh, okay. We, can't, we, we had to respect Cartman's authority. Oh, okay then. Well, but Stan and Wendy, they're going through that that awkward moment where when you're kids and you don't know whether to hold hands or not, it's like, what do I do? <laughs> Nicola and I did this. I was like, do I hold a hand? Is it too soon? What do that? And Nicola's just sort of put her hand out and this is to say, Dude, just hold my fucking hand. I was like, I, I will. I will hold your hand. Yes. <laughs> and he vomits all over somebody. You got a problem, kid? <laughs> uh, then uh, Kyle goes to visit Mr. Hanky because uh, he's sick. You know, you, you, you're my, my best friend besides Stan. And, um, you know, does Pooh go to heaven? And Chef gives the answer. That's you know, that's legit, but you shouldn't have told him. So Kyle gets upset. I like that Chef realizes he's fucked up. So he tries to make this kid's day by giving, you know, just try to fix the situation. Mm. I'll give him one of my chocolate salty balls. Maybe that'll help him. And it does. It rejuvenates him. It's like when E.T.'s heart light comes back on. And you got the best <laughs> balls in the whole Ooh. world, Chef. <laughs> Probably the best line in the show. That's <laughs> very good. Um, that's the grand opening of Hollywood Planet. And Cartman's there selling T-shirts. It kicks ass. <laughs> selling some T-shirts. Uh, Cartman really is the perfect character to just be like that. I know they say he's sold out here, but just the, just the guy just trying to make a quick buck. <laughs> if if there's anything that's kind of sell out about South Park, it's that Cartman was on everything on a whole that's bunch of t-shirts, true. and yeah, 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 he was like he was the guy. When you think of South Park, you think of Cartman. Yeah, yeah. And then commissioner, the commissioner says, uh, Robert Redford, we'll be back year after year after year after year." And this is where Kyle brings Mister Hanky once again, and he gives his spiel, but no one seems to care. Like they're all just like yeah. whatever. Please, his case once again. Excuse me, mate. You're a seven. Can you dial it down to you're a three? So he just gets up on stage. You know, too many of you hurting the ecosystem. And he's just basically, he gives this spiel here about, it used to be about just watching movies. You know, let's go back to the, the good old days. And then the guy's just like, Robert Rivers, Robert Rivers had enough of this guy. So he just throws him at the, at the wall, splats. You know, Splat. He's, he's dead one again. So then they revive him with a chocolate salty ball. And now Hanky is pissed <laughs> and the, he puts on his wizard hat and we get the Fantasia parody of raising the shit from the sewer it smells it smells come on the pool is coming <laughs> it's very it's very nice that Sorcerer's Apprentice uh, um, tribute that's, a, that's fantastic it's, it's, a really so, nice touch. it's so great isn't it the, 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 they got a Fantasia parody with a piece of shit that is just like <laughs> I know they say it's crass South Park but that's genius in my opinion it's like oh, oh, yeah. Trey and Matt just genius and then as you said as you Kisses <laughs> as, he, as he leaves. <laughs> uh, Wendy apologizes. She admits, you know, some independent films are great, but most of them suck ass. But it's you know, true. <laughs> Cartman's learned something too. That being a salad is sweet, making a lot of money. And when you make a lot of money, you don't have to hang out with poor ass losers like you guys. Excuse you guys. I'm going home. And we get the, the catchphrase <laughs> that everyone came to see. I thought respect my authority was the catchphrase that stuck around for a long time. We haven't heard it since. This um, one seems to be the one. Yeah, no, I think screw you guys. I'm going home is the uh, is definitely the one that stuck. Yes. Certainly, there's certainly in this early stage. I mean, people still say respect my authority, but that's kind of that's uh, that's kicking it up a level. Yeah, yeah. this is um at the the entry level quote is screw you guys. I'm going home. But I definitely had a lot of fun with this episode. I had a lot of memorable moments. Anything with Mr. Hanky is a plus in my opinion. I just thought they did a really good job of taking the Mickey out of the independent film scene, but also giving it praise as well. Oh, yeah. But more negative than positive, I will say. Usually they sort of write it quite even. It's pretty negative, I guess, but that's the 1998 version of that, I guess. I think just by virtue of the fact that they're talking about it, you know, and, and, and revolving a whole episode around it is like, 
Oh, wow, independent film. <laughs> it's clearly in the uh, in the uh, in the public eye. Yes. All right. So that is our review of Chef's Chocolate Salty Balls. Hope you guys enjoyed it. The next episode of South Park, we are reviewing Chicken Pox. And I don't quite recall the episode Chicken Pox. I remember enjoying it, though, because every kid gets Chicken Pox. So I'm, I'm assuming everyone in, Sprint, in South Park gets Chicken Pox. I can, I can only assume that's what happens, but they'll definitely put the South Park spin on that. But this has been Chef's Chocolate Salty Balls here on Going Down to South Park. Don't forget to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at, for, uh, at South Park TV Pod on, in, on Twitter and at Going Down to South Park on Instagram. And also follow us on Facebook as well. Hope you enjoyed the review, guys. Don't forget to uh, support us on Patreon or check us a donation to Four Finger Discount at Outlook.com on PayPal if that is your jam. But for now, this has been Chef's Chocolate Salty Balls. Next episode, Chicken Pox. Mr. Davis, any final words for those amazing listeners out there? Put it in your ears and listen.